Respect that. That's corruption. I could make a fake snake. You not pee in the pool. You 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 you, you not pee on the barbie. All of myself is clean. <laughs> Broadcasting from Vince McMahon's bearskin rug. Take it away, Markbot Five Thousand. It is I, Markbot5000, resurrected from the dead. And I'm back to dig holes and take robot souls. Eric, a pleasure to see you as always. Ryan, blow it out your ass. Welcome to the Hardmark Podcast, a show where Eric Donaldson, wrestling fan of over 30 years and a delightfully charming person, introduces one match per show to some jerk-off who has never watched wrestling. They talk about the backstory, they watch the match, and then they rank that match on their ever-growing list. Ryan will probably also complain about his heels, or his job, (laughs) or how he's getting. So people should be really excited to hear that. And by the way, I'm being sarcastic. The purpose of this show is to see what happens when someone that's never watched wrestling is introduced to its most notable matches. And let's bring out the star of the show, good for nothing, lazy, lousy, stinking piece of turd, and you better believe that I'll be talking to all of his electronics to get him electrocuted. Flying Ryan Murphy, better steer clear of your toaster this week, fart knocker. <laughs> there you have it. There all you. the electronics get electrocuted, that was nice touch, Shane. Yeah, well, he's a, it's, a, it's a robot, robot, uh... Markbot yeah, 5000, uh, robot. It's good. It's good. Makes sense that it could communicate with other electronics in your household, your PlayStation, whatnot. Uh, also brought up the complaints. <laughs> right, on, right, right on cue. Like, it was just so perfect. Like, I Dropping the, the facade of kayfabe here for a moment, I put that together fucking months ago. <laughs> oh, you did? Yeah, all these things. Like, I had one night, one or two nights where I was basically, like, writing all these, doing it, just because I was in that creative mind space. And so, like, most of these I've not heard in a long time. So, the fact that that came up right after we were talking about your propensity for complaining was (laughs) simultaneously hilarious and a complete accident. It was. And, like, you know, it was a throwback to the heels, which I probably complained about a lot. Like, (laughs) Right. Also, like, it was was just perfect timing, like... Uh, Markbot, Markbot 5,000. Yeah. Cheers to, cheers to that. Prost to Markbot. Uh, what a, what a mensch that Markbot is, but welcome everybody. Uh, we're going to embark on the 74th match that we have seen so far. Where does the time go? It is Christmas time. We're just a couple days away from that magical time of year where you get your stockings filled and all the presents under the tree, or Hey, maybe you celebrate Hanukkah, which well, I am to you. And then Kwanzaa, I'm less familiar with the words that you say for that, but a happy Kwanzaa to you as well. But let's get into some wrestling here, everybody. We're going to continue to explore the path of the WWF and their ascendance to becoming the biggest wrestling company in the world. So we just saw, a couple of short episodes ago, the WWF championship victory of Stone Cold Steve Austin. 
With his win at WrestleMania 14, it put the final stamp on Steve Austin being the top guy in the company, and on his back, the WWF would go on to achieve unprecedented heights and would eventually become a publicly traded company. But... Corresponding to the emergence of Austin as a megastar, Austin's greatest rival would come from an unlikely source. So as a quick aside, I personally am under the belief that the original plan was probably for Bret Hart and Steve Austin to have a rematch at WrestleMania 14, with Austin gaining a measure of revenge for his loss to Bret Hart uh, but obviously, after the Montreal screw job and Brett's unceremonious exit from the company, that plan needed to be changed, and Shawn Michaels was slotted into that spot. But that's not the only thing that had changed in the aftermath of the Montreal screw job. One of the more notable items on WWF television was the increasingly hostile reception towards Vince McMahon. McMahon who had presented himself as solely an announcer for many years, had revealed towards the end of 1997 that he was the real-life owner of the company. And so as a result, when the events took place at the Survivor Series, McMahon aired a sit-down interview in an attempt to explain his position to fans of the company. Rather than owning up to any wrongdoing, Vince, still sporting some bruising from the black eye that he received from the hitman, doubled down instead and uttered the now famous words, Brett screwed Brett. I have no sympathy whatsoever for Brett. But it was pretty famous. Well, those Brett screwed Brett? Yeah. Yes, that would... That me. Ah, uh, you could say it's a bit of a meme. I mean, anyone who's yeah. like been a wrestling fan over the past, uh, you know, few years or so, you've probably heard some sort of variation of Brett screwed Brett. That is has uh, definitely uh, grown in, in famousness over the over the years. Now, <clears throat> again, that was all Vince McMahon trying to get his side of the story out. So he was not playing a character. He was basically like, I'm the owner of the company. Here's the reason why I did what I did. And then that culminated in the Brett screwed Brett line, which any fans did not fucking buy. Oh, question. Yes. This is like more like general wrestling question. Like, uh-huh. how do you know, how do wrestler wrestling fans determine when, uh, you know, someone like that is saying like, on behalf of his organization, like in real terms, like I'm saying this, or like if it's wrestling terms, like, you know, like how do you like decipher which one is which? <laughs> it's all in the presentation of, of how you're delivering the message. Like there are certain tropes and things that happen in wrestling where it's just commonplace. Like you see it on the show all the time. Like anytime that I'm in the arena and the crowd's behind me and I'm talking into the thing like, okay, this is all part of the show, whatever. This was not in front of people. It was like a pre-recorded thing where they set up like a little studio space. It was just kind of, it was, and they basically made allusions to the fact that professional wrestling is not real. So anytime you're doing that, it kind of takes on, it's like, okay, this is, this is about the, the, the stuff happening behind the scenes. This is not about the show that you're watching every week to week. Okay. So there's something there. Cause like, like even they do these like side things, right. Where like, they no, like I get like the match can be like an uh-huh. area where that's, you're putting on part of the show, but yeah, they do sometimes do some side, but you're saying there's some other like factors that yeah indicate. This was basically like they talked about Brett leaving the company. Like they, 
like Vince, the types of questions that they were asking were not designed to be, I think that there were some liability things that he was essentially trying to like get out in front of the public to kind of win favor to his side. So like, if I remembering it correctly, I think Jim Ross, who was conducting the interview, basically asked him at one point, like about the black eye that he had. And he's like, well, I, you know, I reserve the right to, you know, pursue a lawsuit against Brett. I haven't done so at the moment. And like, it's just the way it was presented was all completely different from what you would normally see on the TV show. And so, and like the things, again, that they were alluding to were more behind the scenes, like real life stuff, quote unquote, as opposed to like, I'm going to kick his ass or da 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 da. Like, it's just the way right. that the delivery was and things like that. Got it. Yeah. Now, it's important to note with the Brett Screwed Brett interview, Vince actually thought that by getting his side of the story out, that he was going to convince the fans that he needed to take the drastic actions that he did and that they would respect his decision. He failed to realize that double-crossing one of his biggest stars, somebody that the fans had grown to love over 10-plus years, would end up drawing the ire of his audience. But that is exactly what happened. And so over the course of months, the boos that were directed towards McMahon would grow louder and louder. Soon, it became impossible to ignore the elephant in the room. The Montreal Screwjob had turned Vince McMahon, the owner of the WWF, into a bad guy. And so we're probably not going to have a better time to delve into the life and times of Vince McMahon than we have now. So let's take a little detour from our main story, and we'll get into the history, the trials, and tribulations of this complex personality. But before we do, Ryan, I think that you are, you know, representing the the population as a whole, people who maybe aren't familiar with wrestling, etc. What do you know about Vince McMahon? The XFL. <laughs> I... I knew that was going to be your first response. Okay, so you know, I, I think I know like a little bit more about him now. He's like he's out there, like he's kind of out there in the trenches a little bit, like with his like with his wrestling. Like he's, sure. you know, um, there's there's character outspoken, like his character about him, like you mm-hmm. know, like. Uh, but I mean, he's he's the head of like everything that, or like a lot of what we've seen, like it, you know. Um, I mean, Vince McMahon to me like represents wrestling. <laughs> yeah, that's. I think that's probably fair. Yeah. Fair to say. Do you know anything about him as like a human being at all, or you just kind of like know like, oh, he started the XFL. He's. he's I, in charge I, I know of- nothing about him as a human being okay. at all. Okay. <laughs> and like that's why I'm like surprised anything he's talking about behind the scenes is real. Like I know him as a wrestling. Like I see he's high level executive, but this you know like CEO like right, right. like give or so take. I, I don't know if he has a business background or anything. Like, yeah, like, that'd be interesting to know. Well, you're going to find out right about now. So we don't know a whole lot about Vince McMahon. We know that he's in charge of some stuff. Uh, two failed football leagues, etc. But let's uh, let's talk about some of the other stuff. So Vincent Kennedy McMahon had what could be described as a turbulent childhood. His father, Vincent Jess McMahon, was a second-generation wrestling promoter. And uh, his father left his mother when Vince was just a baby. And so as a result, Vince lived in North Carolina with his mom and a series of stepfathers. Uh, When speaking of one of his stepfathers that had allegedly abused both him and his mother, Vince was later quoted in an interview that, quote, it is unfortunate that he died before I could kill him. I would have enjoyed that. (laughs) So that just... 
that kind of gives you a little bit of an insight into the psyche of of Vince McMahon, uh, just yeah. like this alpha, alpha, alpha male who I don't know. We'll get into more, but uh, it's he he I think had some difficulties when he was a, a young a young lad, but finally. At the age of 12, he met his father, and he began to take an active interest in the wrestling business. So at 23, after graduating college, Vince began ring announcing for his father's shows. And over time, he took on more duties. He would start promoting smaller towns, and he would be performing play-by-play commentary on the shows as needed. Now, in the early 1980s, McMahon cut a deal with his father to buy the WWF from him. At that time, under the leadership of Vincent Jess, the WWF was a strictly Northeast-based promotion. Uh, They abided by the unwritten rules of territory wrestling that you do not promote shows in another company's region. So after taking the reins of the company, Vincent Kennedy began an aggressive national expansion, making a good number of friends and enemies along the way. His greatest creation, WrestleMania, was a huge gamble. Had it failed, it likely would have bankrupt McMahon and forced him to close the WWF for good. But it ended up being a success greater than he had ever dreamed, with the yearly event still going strong for nearly 40 years and drawing fans from across the globe. But enough history. I know why you're here, Ryan. It's for salacious and wild gossip, as well as hardcore nudity. (laughs) And so so I'm here to present that for you. So let's go ahead. Let's cover that stuff. Now, if you have any questions around these following items, please let me know. But for yourself and for the Markamaniacs, I have compiled the magnum opus of strange facts and speculation about the bizarre billionaire weirdo himself, Vince McMahon. Uh, These are in no particular order. As you will find, some of these are a little bit more whimsical. Others are substantially more serious. So allow me to take a drink of my beverage, and I will get into my list here. All right, first item, and again, as you have any questions, just let me know. There's a lot on here, so don't feel like you need to come up with questions for every single one. The first one, he shaves his face three times a day. Right, sure. Falsing these or these? No, these are all true. These are all... Oh, okay, okay. These are all true. I mean... These are all things that people have said about Vince McMahon or things that have been written about Vince McMahon. So presumably these are all true. Yeah. I'm not saying that every single one of these are 100% accurate, but in my research, these are all either stories that people told or things that multiple people have said about Vince. But yes, he shaves his face three times a day. The reason why? He can't let that beard win. Uh, <laughs> next, he owns a 47-foot yacht named Sexy Bitch. Yeah. Who wouldn't? Who? Yeah, exactly. If you if you're a billionaire, yeah, you know, heavy yeah. hooker might be a little that's, bit of a better that's, name. That's the minor leagues compared to like <laughs> sexy bitch. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's like, true. Maybe not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next, he hates when people sneeze around him. The lack of control makes him upset. It's an odd thing. I love sneezes. Uh, <laughs> and I, and I feel like the lack of control of sneezes is like one of the stupidest things I've heard in a, in a long time. Like. I remember um, you said at one point in time that sneezing is one of the greatest things a human body can do. I think it is. I think it's like one one tenth of an orgasm or, or <laughs> something along those lines. It feels amazing. I, I love sneezing. I will sneeze in front of anybody. Not for Will I like, cover my mouth? Sure. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You got your little yeah. sneeze guard. Your little elbow. Right, you crook. still sneeze fully into your mouth, like you know, But yeah. 
I digress. I understand. Well, so you don't agree with Vince on that one. Maybe on the next one. Uh, he loves pranks. His favorite is having people get pushed into pools with their clothes on. This can be funny. Can be funny. Yeah. He has a replica T-Rex skull in his office. He tweeted that it is symbolic of his voracious appetite for life. That is also real. I've seen pictures of this. It's a full-size replica of a T-Rex skull in his in his office. It's fucking. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. <laughs> uh, he hates to sleep, so he averages approximately four hours of sleep per night. These are the people that get like really fucked up. Like this is the problem I have with people. Like, He's got a lot more money than me, so maybe he's doing something right. But like, I like to sleep like twelve to sixteen if I can. You know, like, I mean, you love cats. We all know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll sleep my cats. Let's let's <laughs> let's cozy up. Let's sleep twelve, sixteen, whatever we can. Whatever we can get in. Like, right. Exactly. I mean, sleeping's better than living. You're just adopting right feline mannerisms. That's all. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I disagree, but that's okay. He is a fucking insane driver. To the point where multiple people have publicly said they will never ride with him again. Yeah, I mean, that's just terrifying, you know? I think he consistently drives over 100 miles per hour. Uh, super fucking aggressive driver. Like, will race people. I think he even raced somebody, like a, a, one of the riders on their show, to the point where he almost ran the guy off the road and then, like, laughed about it. Like, imagine a Michael Jordan-esque level of competitiveness. That's what Vince McMahon has. Yeah, but, like... But like in a car is always a terrifying situation. Like you <laughs> right. know, like yes, you know, like I, I am sure you like I've dealt with bad drivers doing that shit, and it's horrifying. Good drivers can get into an accident. Like it's just scary shit. Like I strive. It's just scary. Like you know, that's all I have to say. There's nothing. That, you know what? I've been complimented by women on my driving abilities before because I'm a very you, smooth, safe driver. Exactly. That's me too. Women like that. I used to be a little like very early when I got my license, a little bit aggressive, but like I immediately calmed down and just like, I'm the most passive fucking driver ever now. Like, you know, uh, um, cat like, and, and I love it. I love it. Yeah. Like I've come up with my cat and I drive for 16 <laughs> hours, you know, like <laughs> yeah. Where, where's the destination. I don't know wherever I, wherever I want it to be. Yeah. Uh, Vince would frequently get physical with his wrestlers. Apparently, he insisted that wrestlers perform moves on him one night out in a strip club. Mm. <laughs> he also wrestled an Olympic gold medalist on a plane. This feels like two truths and a lie. Like, this whole... <laughs> <laughs> you know, like... Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, rich people do rich people shit. You know? That's right. There's a lot of rich people shit so far. Here, yeah. here, th- uh, speaking of which... He once had a cable repairman out to look at his TV. The TV was muted. The repairman unmuted it. Vince tipped him $100. Well, good on him for that, you know? Like, <laughs> good on him for not, not being embarrassed, you know? Like, and yeah. tipping your, your guy, you know? Yeah. Uh, in addition to the WWF, he created a failed bodybuilding company, the WBF, the World Bodybuilding Federation, and a failed football company twice, the XFL. Yeah, that's tough because they. Have, I think they the second time running. around they might have had something, but then obviously the pandemic. Well, took COVID, us. yeah, like, but like, that, that's rough. To it's do coming back a third around. time. Did you hear about that? What's that? The XFL's coming back again. <laughs> Is it really? The Rock Why? bought it. The Rock bought it from Vince McMahon. Barack Obama should buy it from The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they could be partners. Yeah. Um, I bet they'd get along. Next, on the rich people shit train, 
He once paid a man $500 to stop smoking on a plane. Obviously, that's a dated uh, sort of sort of reference back when people could could smoke on planes. But yes, he paid f- a man $500 to stop. Like just to not smoke on that flight? Yeah. Like, uh, the story, as I remember it heard, is like Vince was either in front of or behind this guy. And then he was smoking, the, this other person, in first class. And the guy's like, hey, buddy, 100 bucks to, for you to put out that cigarette. And he's like, no, no, I'm not going to. Fuck yeah, good, good initial first, like. <laughs> yeah, and then like the like the guy kept like, no, no, and like Vince would just, how about two hundred, two hundred dollars to put out that fucking cigarette, and the guy kept saying no, and eventually when he upped it to five hundred, the guy was like, okay, sure, fine. Like I think it's interesting, like like rich people, like that money is probably what like five bucks to them, maybe like if you're probably a yes, yes. So like so like it's no big deal, but. I mean, I guess the guy flying first class could also be rich, you know, like right. that's possible. Or at like, least more well off than most, yeah. Yeah, like um I also don't it's kinda of, actually, you know, that's a respectful way to go about it. Pay someone to do what you want, you know? <laughs> like instead of just like being a bitch, like pay them, you know? Like I actually kinda of like that, you know. You're, like I you, you may end up regretting that statement a little bit later, but we'll get to that in just a little okay. bit. <laughs> <laughs> He refuses to eat with his hands. He uses a knife and fork even for sandwiches. Next, he he ha- had or has, I'm not sure which. At one point in time, he did have it. I don't know if he still does. He had a painting of himself hanging in his office. He was wearing a white polo and looking burly as fuck. So he got his own painting commissioned of himself that he had up in his own office. Bold move, but like, you know. <laughs> it's like um, Dodgeball. Ben Stiller char- Ben Stiller's character where he's grabbing the bull by the horns. Like that style. Yeah, but yeah. Vince McMahon in a polo shirt looking very regal. I kinda like it. Like, you know, I wish I had something like that, but bold move. You know, yeah. Sure. You know, not everyone can pull it off, but more more power to you if you can. This one's a pretty benign one. Uh, he did not know what a burrito was until the mid two thousands, yet he ate steak wraps with ketchup almost every single day. What's a steak wrap with ketchup? It's a fucking burrito, but he hadn't never heard the term burrito before. There was a storyline pitched to him where a wrestler was going to eat a burrito that had been tainted with like stuff to make him shit himself. And Vince McMahon was like, what's a burrito, pal? And then they had to explain it to him when all this time he'd been eating steak wraps with ketchup. I'm not someone who shits on how you eat steak, but like, that's all fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Food is fuel, brother. Fool, few, food is fuel. Was, uh, it, was it fucking... Well done. I don't know. That I don't know. I can't speak. See, Eric, these are the details we need in this. Like, if he's a medium rare with ketchup, like a fine dining experience. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, the, with the ketchup. Portland ketchup, mind you. Mission tortilla wrap, you know. Like. <laughs> good good uh, shout out to Mission brand wraps here. Uh, okay, now we're getting into the good stuff. He pitched his pregnant daughter on doing a storyline where they attempted to determine the father of her child. This storyline would end with Vince McMahon being the father. She declined. Sorry, was this a movie? No, this was a storyline for their show. For the WWE, like, like, oh, so... His son, daughter, and wife are all also characters and on, on... I assume she was getting paid a hefty amount to, like... And she still declined? She... So the McMahons all primarily work backstage in backstage capacities. However, like occasionally they'll do stuff out in front of the camera. Like like his daughter Stephanie was one of the ones that was probably on camera more than some of the others, uh, especially around these times. But uh, you know, sh- it's not like 
any other wrestler, if they were presented a storyline, I think there was a very real risk if they said no that they'd be shit canned. He wasn't going to fire his own daughter, so she more or less had the carte blanche to be like, "I'm not doing a fucking incest storyline with you, Dad." Oh wait, I'm sorry. So I missed that part. So it was his own daughter. Yes. So he pitched his oh, okay, his okay, own okay. pregnant daughter on doing a storyline where they were going to attempt to Jesus determine who the father of her child was. This storyline was going to end with Vince being the father. Okay. Yes. That's fucked up. <laughs> uh, my bad. I didn't realize that, that that was okay. That is like that is one like <laughs> is this well known? I mean, yes, it's pretty well. She talked about it herself on a DVD that they did about Vince McMahon. So like this one is 100%. Are they so close? Yes. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, yes. They, I mean, she's still she's still with the company. He's still in the company in a certain degree, which again we'll cover that subject in just a little bit. But yes, they are still very close. Why would that be of interest in like like what an incest storyline in wrestling? Don't get me wrong. I understand there's a fucking huge incest storyline on Pornhub right now. <laughs> you, you hop on, but like, I'm just curious. Like in the fucking like in, yeah, in that realm. Like, why would it be? Uh, like, why would the wrestling fans like be in there, you know, interested or so? Know, like, and I don't, <laughs> I don't really yeah, feel yeah. like defending Vince for this. I think I can see somewhat of his mindset being so. Like the Vince McMahon character on TV was very willing to like be the butt of the joke or like get his comeuppance and stuff like that. Like he was not afraid of presenting himself in the worst possible light in front of the fans. <laughs> So I think that this probably ties in with that. Like what could make the Mr. McMahon on TV character even worse than everyone already thinks that he is? Well, what if what if he impregnated his own daughter? Well, that that would kind of make him a real big piece of shit. So I think he was looking at it from that perspective, not realizing that that would put his daughter like because there are people who, you know, the the McMahons like a lot of the other people on the show while they are playing characters on TV, these characters are named their same names. So Stephanie McMahon on the show is Stephanie McMahon in real life too. And so it's like, while most rational minded people know this is a TV show, none of this is real. I think still having that stigma oh. when she goes out into public and be like, they're running the storyline about her father being the, 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 the father of her child. Well, like, yeah, like, even for him to, like, fucking ask that question, as she's pregnant already, like, right. you know, like, that's, that's, like, insane, like, um, but, okay, I mean, yeah, like, I mean, I'm taking, you know, what are you asking, like, hard disagree, like, yeah, like, that's, <laughs> that's pretty brutal, like. Yeah, they didn't end up doing another, it. Maybe another setting you can work that, but, like, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a pretty bad one, like. It's yeah, and they they escalate a bit from here. So in the early oh, 19- oh they get worse from here. That wasn't it. Like that's no, the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> we haven't we we haven't hit, hit the top of the summit just oh, yet. Okay. In the early 1990s, the U.S. government took Vince McMahon to trial for his distributing or for distributing steroids to his wrestlers. He was found not guilty. His daughter Stephanie, the same one we were just talking about, would later equate this experience to 9/11. <laughs> God damn it. Everyone's fucking doing this shit now. Like, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, so maybe he was right to ask his daughter. Like, you know, like, <laughs> like, she sounds just as fucking insane as he is. Like, I really don't like Stephanie at all. I don't think she's yeah, as bad as him, but I personally am not a big Stephanie McMahon fan. Yeah, this is kind of fucked up. Like, I, and I rewatched. Oh, yeah, super fucked up. Like, that, that, that's 
probably fucking worse than his like you question. Oh, you want to be an incest fucking? <laughs> yeah, because I mean that's he, he's pitching a storyline. Like obviously it's not real. So the right. the, the, ba- the quick but, backstory of the nine eleven thing, and I rewatched this clip because I was like, it can't possibly be as bad as I'm remembering that it was. And the very first big event, and like this is true, you can look it up. The very first major event that happened after nine eleven was a WWE show. Um, like the following, like a couple days afterwards, it was a it was a SmackDown uh, show that they ran, and like there was real concerns about large gatherings of people. Like, are they in danger mm-hmm. if we're gathering yeah. like thousands of people in any? place in the in the united states and so that was kind of the big first major gathering of people and so throughout that show they had performed interviews with people kind of in the wake of 9-11 just giving the like people just giving their raw thoughts like it wasn't in character it was just kind of them talking and kind of expressing you know what we were all feeling at that time and yes vince 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 mcmahon's daughter stephanie she she basically started her little sit-down interview thing with back in 1991 the u.s government took my father uh to to trial over something and they tried to tear our family apart just like here today these terrorists are trying to tear the united states apart but we won't let them (laughs) god damn it like yeah no for real like this is a real, and this is not like this is a real thing that she's talking about, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they really took him to trial. He was, and like he was found not guilty, but there was very real concern that Vince McMahon was. Did she go to say this in like a like a like a court setting? You know what? No, was it this- was not in a court setting. This was she was, in fact, better than me just telling you about it. Yeah, let's- <laughs> this only takes like a minute, so this is fine. Let me know once you start playing. She's kind of hot, like... Come on! (laughs) A few years ago, some people tried to destroy my family. They attacked my father's reputation. They attacked my mother's reputation. And they attacked the World Wrestling Federation. They tried to rip us apart. But all they did was make my family stronger. And that's exactly how America feels right now. Because on Tuesday, America was attacked. But America is a united nation. And together, we stand strong. I am incredibly proud to be an American citizen. So I don't, you can stand up. Part of this, you want out. But like, this sounds fucking very much like Melania, like, or like, uh, (laughs) you know, like it sounds like any of the fucking Trump, Ivanka. Ivanka. Yeah, whatever. It just sounds so much like that. Like, but yeah. she is hot. Like, I would. I would <laughs> like, but to be fair, she's hot. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why she was. That was post the like incest thing, right? Like, no, I think the incest thing happened after that. Oh, okay. Well, I see why she's a little more defensive. Then. All right. <laughs> all right. Now it's all it's making sense the timeline. But yeah, like. Crazy shit, like, and actually, like, incredibly offensive to, like, anyone who actually dealt with that. But Yeah. You know, like, and... I can give her a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because emotions were... I mean, this was, like, two or three days after it, so emotions were high. I get that, but still... Can you you give her benefit of the doubt? Like, like comparing anything to 9-11, can you really... (laughs) Like, people do this now for some reason. Like, 
in comparison to that, can you really give yourself the benefit of the doubt? Like, even if you're emotionally charged, people (laughs) jumped out of buildings to escape fire, Eric. Her father was taken to trial (laughs) by the U.S. government, Ryan. You can't possibly know how that feels. (laughs) Right, right. Right, right. right. Exactly. Um, All right, let's move on to the next one. We just got a couple more, but these, I don't know, we'll, we'll see. Maybe it's getting worse. There is a lot of evidence to suggest that Jimmy Superfly Snuka, famous wrestler of the 70s, 80s, 90s, that he murdered his girlfriend, Nancy Argentino, in May of 1983. Along with that, there are a lot of rumors and allegations that Vince McMahon bribed police officers to drop the investigation into Snuka. Uh, he's a wrestler for them? Yes, he was. he was like... Yeah. He was their biggest star before Hulk Hogan showed up. Yes. That's just a business move, you know? Like, <laughs> that's just a straight business move, right? You have to. Like, you have to protect your guy, you know? Like, he doesn't, you know, has to protect your guy. I'm not even going to fucking say anything to that. <laughs> we'll just move along. The WWF's first female referee, Rita Chatterton, claims yeah. that Vince McMahon raped her in 1986. Jesus Christ. In 2006. Uh, Vince McMahon allegedly sexually assaulted an employee at a tanning salon, groping her and showing her nude photos of himself on his phone. And lastly, in 2022, just this year, it was revealed during an internal investigation that McMahon had made nearly $20 million in various payouts using company funds. Approximately $5 million was donated to the now-dissolved Donald J. Trump Foundation. (laughs) What did I fucking say, Eric? What did I fucking say, So Vince's wife was on the Trump cabinet. She was like the head of the small business administration. Trump and McMahon are friends. They're they're good pals for the record. Oh no shit, that sounds <laughs> five million dollars worth of good pals. But the, the SBA that just gave away like fucking like billions in loans, like. I I don't know. I think she's been off of that for a while now. But yes, no. It sounds like it's a good place for her. Like I'm not I'm not <laughs> sure in the work she did. No, that's great. Like yeah. Like, you know, like it went really well. <laughs> so you're probably wondering, Ryan. I'm sure this is at the top of your mind. So that's five billion of those twenty million dollars. How? What? What happened to the remaining fifteen of those million dollars in company funds? Well, there was a seven point five million dollar payout to a former female wrestler. Supposedly, McMahon coerced her into performing oral sex, and then eventually, pardon me. I'm sorry, I interrupted. Seven point five billion million. Million. Okay, yes. My bad. My bad. I apologize. <laughs> still a good Re- still a good figure. Yeah. But yes, so there's fifteen million dollars that are unaccounted for besides the five million to the Donald J. Trump Foundation. Of that fifteen million, <laughs> seven point five million was a payout to the aforementioned female wrestler. Uh supposedly McMahon coerced her into performing oral sex and then eventually declined to renew her contract after she resisted further advances. She sh- so she got a little bit of a payout. Uh there was also an employee 
that had received nude photos from McMahon, who agreed to pay approximately $1 million to them. Uh, there was a former manager with the company that had a sexual relationship with McMahon. They also received $1 million. There was also a $3 million payout to a paralegal in another batshit situation, which is too complex to cover here. The discovery <laughs> of these payouts would be the cause for Vince McMahon to step down from his active role with the company. However, he still possesses the the majority of company shares and he wields the majority voting power within the company. Can I ask you like this? Oh, <laughs> this was the longest document or longest like prequel to a match we've had, right? Like, yes, it just feels long. It's good. I'm like, I'm excited. Like this is good information. It just, I was, I was making sure we're on this. Okay. That's it. <laughs> yeah. To answer your question. Yes. This is the longest document that I've had to put together. <laughs> for this because I think it's important not necessarily for this match specifically but just to know what Vince McMahon is and so I think this is a fairly yeah I, mean, I think that would have been important a long time ago too like I mean what brought what it's just something about this match that like brings it to light like we'll get to that oh we're not <laughs> I bet we're almost there so we talked a little bit about the Vince McMahon stories. Um, I promise I'm not going to be on this soapbox for very long, but I, I just, I, after, after reading all those things off, I feel compelled just to tell people, I don't know if this is falling on deaf ears, if anyone gives a fuck, but when you support the WWE, despite Vince McMahon not actively being a part of the company anymore, you are still very much supporting him. That is a factual statement. I am not here to say what people should or shouldn't do, but... I am a big believer in voting with your dollar. So if you don't like any of the things that I just mentioned, if you don't like him paying $7.5 million to someone that he fired after forcing them to perform oral sex, then maybe you should second guess any WWE related purchases in the future. I'm just, I'm just throwing that out as a potential thing. Now, having hey. said, go ahead. No, I think you've well said. <laughs> Thank you. Now, yeah. having said that, I understand that I am a bit of a hypocrite because I subscribe to Peacock, <laughs> which I'm sure benefits the WWE in some form or fashion. Uh, for full disclosure, I had canceled my WWE Network subscription maybe a month or two prior to starting this podcast. But then the thought of trying to do what we do without their tape library felt impossible. So I did compromise my morals for the sake of this show, just so we're all clear on that. And even putting Vince McMahon aside, one last thing before we get back to our main story here. I have not even covered details around their current deal with Saudi Arabia or them literally being the only wrestling company in the world that released talent and fired people during the pandemic, despite them making record profits at that time, which is a very quick aside. They claimed it was due to budget cuts. Meanwhile, on the exact same day as those releases they announced on their earnings call that they had revenue of 256 million dollars that quarter <laughs> those releases included people that had just signed new contracts one one week prior people who had moved across the country to new homes Meanwhile, the company is on track to make a billion dollars, and they're claiming that they're having to let people go due to budget cuts. And when you fire wrestlers in the middle of a pandemic, 
and those wrestlers' primary skill set is performing in front of crowds of people in a live setting, guess what's not happening at that time? Live pro wrestling shows. So thanks a lot. Good luck figuring out a new line of work. I hope your families don't get fucked. So those are the issues that I have with the WWE. (laughs) Fuck yeah, man. Like... (laughs) So if it was, so like I besides Peacock, which again I don't know how that works for my five dollars a month that I'm paying towards NBC, Comcast, Universal, whatever the fuck they're. And I also out. get a little chip off that too. <laughs> right. I mean, you just use it for the office, so I'm sure, I'm sure Vince McMahon doesn't get his cut yeah. there. But yes, there is a reason why I really actively try to like buy any merchandise that's theirs or go to any of their live shows. I just feel uneasy supporting all of the shit that I just listed out. So that's my rant. Back to our story, <laughs> the Ryan. Vince McMahon <laughs> has now just become a bad guy on television and not just in real life, which if you're Vince, you can either try to ignore or you can roll with it. And after several months, the WWF decided to go forward with that character evolution. So over time, McMahon would use his power to benefit himself and his company. As evidenced by the Montreal Screwjob, if there was somebody who was the champion and Vince McMahon did not want them to be, in storyline, he would go out of his way to make their life a living hell to get that championship away from them. And so when you have a corrupt boss... When you have an authority figure that wields too much power to make a compelling story, you need an everyman, someone that the fans can vicariously live through, someone to rebel against that, Uh, an anti-hero, a badass, a beer-drinking, bird-flipping, foul-mouthed son of a bitch that won't take orders from anybody. You need Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mm. And that's exactly what would happen. So the rivalry between Vince McMahon and Steve Austin would play out for literally years, essentially setting the template that countless other storylines would attempt to copy in the ensuing decades. But none of them had the impact or the success of Austin versus McMahon. The formula was a simple one. McMahon would come up with a way to screw Austin. Austin would get his, would get his revenge, rinse, and repeat. But maybe the biggest key to that success of that feud was the fact that McMahon, he wasn't a wrestler. So while there was some limited physicality between the two, the issue was always settled between Steve Austin and one of McMahon's cronies. But in the February of 1999, Austin was set to compete for the WWF Championship at that year's WrestleMania, taking place at the end of March with McMahon desperate to stop Austin from competing at that event. So Stone Cold would present McMahon with an offer. The two would finally face off in a one-on-one match, and if Austin lost, he would forfeit his opportunity at the title at WrestleMania that year. There was only one caveat. To prevent McMahon's allies from interfering, the match would be taking place inside of a steel cage, and the only way to win was going to be by escaping the cage. McMahon accepted that challenge. He even went a step further by promising that no member of McMahon's corporation faction, a.k.a. his bad guy henchman, would interfere in that match. And if they did, they would be fired on the spot. 
And so the match was set for Memphis, Tennessee on February 14th, 1999, <laughs> Valentine's Day, to put Stone Cold Steve Austin against the multi-millionaire, soon-to-be billionaire, Vince McMahon, in Vince McMahon's first wrestling match at the age of 52 in a steel cage at St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Wow. In Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah, Memphis, Tennessee. Jerry Lawler. Duh. But yes, that's our... Uh, that's God damn, Eric. What? <laughs> I'm just doing an Andy Kaufman impression. I have no ill will towards the people of Memphis. You know, they're far that's better true. than our than our friends across the Atlantic there in, in England, I'm sure. <laughs> Fucking Brits. I really don't want that to become a running <laughs> thing on this show. Uh, any questions around anything we talked about? No, no, I didn't want to cut you off. It was good. It was, everything was good. It was very part of it. Good. I'm so glad. I was realizing that. Well, you know, we're here now. Fuck it. Like okay. With the the little bit of data before we get into this thing, Ryan's record as it stands right now, 39, 33, and 1. He is on a three-match winning streak. Uh, he is 28 and 22 with matches from the 1990s. And then he is 1 and 1 in the great state of Tennessee, which, Ryan, you're the only 10 I see. But uh, that's that's it. That's our that's our match. Anything anything yes. worth noting before we get into it? Not that I can, uh, not that I can add. I think you, you've uh, you've added a lot here. <laughs> Pretty comprehensive. So okay, let's uh, let's watch the match. We'll bring you some audio as per usual, and when we come back, we'll get Ryan's thoughts on his very first viewing of Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Vince McMahon or Mister McMahon, I should say, at St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Thanks, everybody. McMahon making him wait. Austin twisted his knee, coming down off the cage. And Mr. McMahon smells blood. I would trust you, Mr. McMahon. Get him straight in the middle. The rattlesnake was hiding in wait. The rattlesnake was playing past him. Can he go down? McMahon again with kicks to the midsection. And Austin with an elbow. McMahon is holding on by one hand. Oh, my God. He's got to be 20 feet off the floor. No! No! As far as I'm concerned, the match never really started because when the, the bell never rang and we was never in the ring at the same time, so eh, eh, he ain't gonna lose that easy. Jackass, that's you in the black. Is the son of a bitch still breathing? Well, since he is still breathing, if you want me to finish this can of whoop ass, give me a hell yeah. Austin's hatred rivals McMahon's thing, but somehow the boss to his feet. Oh no!
we just watched Stone Cold Steve Austin versus uh, Mr. McMahon. That was his wrestling persona was Mr. <laughs> McMahon, not Vince McMahon, but Mr. And uh, what did you think of the match, Ryan? Um, yeah, I mean, I thought it like, had a lot to it. Uh, good match, tough to tough to judge. <laughs> yeah, like, but like good, like good storyline. Like it brought back a lot of 1997 memories. Mm-hmm. They like, yeah, it was 1999 in this that this took place. But I understand what that, you're saying. You give what I'm saying. Like, yeah, no, be, I get it. You know, the 1997 memories. You know? Yeah, I think of all the matches that we've seen so far. Like you generally tend to skew towards the ones that like feature a lot of athleticism. As far as matches that maybe weren't quite as athletic, I, I you didn't like shit on this match at any point in time. Like it, yeah. like it, the story was always entertaining. I think there were points where you were frustrated, but I don't think you, there was ever any points where you kind of felt like a lull or were, were bored necessarily by the match. Oh, I thought it was good. I mean, like I think at a certain point you knew this match was going to be. Uh... Probably you should have known pretty early this match was going to be like one of those physical matches. Uh, it's going to yeah. be more storyline match. Yes, yeah, you know? for sure, and that's very much what yeah. this what this was, which is not shocking considering one of the participants was a fifty two year old man wrestling in his first yeah. match. But uh, but yes, you're you're spot on. It was very much more about the story of everything that was going on as opposed to the actual like action in the ring or something like that. But when we first uh, booted up. They're kind of killing time. They're vamping a bit while, while the cage is being assembled. Then we've got we we even had the shot of Jerry Lawler and Michael Cole. What did you say about Michael Cole? You said he looked like Colton, which made me laugh. You, oh, the you, guy who was announcing on the on yeah. The was there something yeah. else he also said he looked like or no? He he reminded me of like a lot of different people. Like he's that side character, like. Um, <laughs> You know, like to the to the main to the to the main event, like that's sure. I can that. see that. But you, I mean, he has that figure. You know, he has that side. Figure, <laughs> yeah, like so. <laughs> that girlish figure. But uh, from there, the glass shatters. That is signaling the arrival of Stone Cold Steve Austin. He hits all four corners. So around this time is when Austin kind of started doing his signature entrance, where he would make a point to go to all four corners of the ring, put his arms up. And so that way all the audience could kind of, kind of get their photo op of, of Steve Austin posing there. He did that, but then he also climbed a couple rungs of the cage. So he'd be up above that as well. It sounded like you weren't in love with his entrance. It was kind of bare bones, but you know, Oh, his interest was like the, one of the worst I've ever seen in my life. Like <laughs> it was, it was a pretty standard Steve. O- he doesn't do a whole lot of theatrics. He's there just- was there was no like hype to it at all. Like there was no hype to. Uh, I think Steve Austin has a level of hype to him that like he he gets when he enters the ring. Like on various occasions, there's always like, oh fuck, this is Steve Austin. Like, but right. it, there was none of that. It was just like his music, and he kind of walked in. I mean, people were excited. Uh, I don't know that it was the biggest reaction that he's ever gotten of the matches that we've seen so far. But, you know, people were, like, pretty hyped on the fact, like, oh, fucking Steve Austin's in front of us. That's pretty cool. Then then we have Mr. McMahon entering. Yeah, maybe the most muscular 52-year-old man in the history yeah, of 52-year-old man. Ripped. I'm sure it's all natural. That was 1999, so we're 20 years later. It's 72, it was like 76 now. Like, 
Oh yeah, I guess I, if we did the math, yeah, that's 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 about right. Yeah. Uh, uh, He's like obviously not as muscular now as he was then, but like the 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 stories of Vince McMahon waking up at like three or four in the morning to go train are legendary. Like he he'll, he'll like. He's a workaholic, both for his company as well as in the gym. He just he li- he takes a lot of pride in being bigger than his wrestlers. He's just he's a unique personality, as we talked about before the break. But yes, mass like anyone who had seen Vince McMahon, he had always been wearing like these suits that kind of covered him up. So the first time that we got a glimpse of Vince McMahon in a tank top and he's just fucking enormous was very jarring to anyone who had watched WWF in like the eighties. It, it was a little jarring to me. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's cut guy. He's cut. He's just cut. Like, you also made a comment that his theme music sounded like something that would play in like a porno or a strip club or something, which also made me laugh very hard because now I'm not going to be able to unhear that moving forward. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, before he came out, like, you know, yeah, like it does have, have like this bass, like doo Mm, like like the yeah, I mean, the pizza just, man's arrival type of type of theme song yeah, yeah. to it yeah the pizza man arrival <laughs> like you know sausage pizza like, yeah you want a sausage pizza how about some extra cheese like you know that type of shit it has a vibe a to garbage, it garbage eric i don't i stay away from that <laughs> yes like, yeah always abstaining this ryan murphy's getting so much he's getting more ass than a toilet seat he, right, he doesn't right, need right, to right. Hit all the pornos. I deliver you. the sausage pizza. If anyway. <laughs> yes, right. he is. He is the one who knocks for the sausage pizza. <laughs> so <laughs> Vince, Vince enters, and then we've got some. I don't know how you would describe it necessarily, but like Vince is sort of like toying with the idea of getting in the ring. Like Austin's just wants to fucking get it started, but like Vince, he's a little hesitant. He like climbs up the cage and acts like he's going to enter, but then he kind of backs down, does that a few times, kind of lulls Austin to the point where like eventually Austin gets so frustrated that he starts chasing Vince around the ring itself, which then gives Vince the chance to kind of, occupy the space where the door would be and he just starts kicking like a little kid would like monkey bar kicking out at steve austin to kind of prevent him from being able to get in very yeah i i I didn't enjoy that part of the match that much (laughs) yeah you didn't love it yeah i I just i i get frustrated you know like very easily and uh, that was frustrating you know as part of the match but Uh, you know hey I got over it. I moved up. Well, I think what brought you back in was so Austin's way of kind of getting around that. So they, so now McMahon is in the ring. Austin is trying to enter, but McMahon doesn't want to let him in. There's a point where Austin's kind of climbing up one of the sides. Vince cuts him off. He's like at the top of the cage, like punching down and kicking down towards him. Austin feigns like he slips off of the cage and like tweaks his knee upon landing that gives vince mcmahon like oh he's hurt now's my chance to get steve austin and so then when he runs like he he scampers out you can see he's like all happy about it and then as soon as he gets within striking distance austin drops the facade of being hurt immediately like takes mcmahon down and starts like beating the fuck out of him for you know the remainder of the match realistically well, I, I like to your point, like I thought like um like that's it that is when I got into it and I thought he was actually hurt. Like oh. I thought like that because I mean the knee issue had been played up like at least in the matches. I, I don't know, like that yeah. before. And he has a brace on. Yeah. Right. Like I just so uh I thought it was like a real thing and I was like, Oh fuck, this is where like okay, the you know, the owner comes in and like actually 
you know, takes ownership. <laughs> uh, but like, I, I did, I did think that was a little bit of a scare for a, a second, but, uh, well, it got, yeah, it got exciting, right? Shortly after that, like, when, right. There's a uh, lot of brawling out into the crowd. I think Vince got thrown out into the fans once as he's kind of getting slammed into tables. He gets slammed into yeah. the cage itself, you know, dumped into the crowd, etc. cetera. Uh, right around here, is, this is the point where you, you made the pick of Steve Austin, which, I mean, that was never really in question for me. But I made it pretty early. Yeah. And, no, you did. I think, I, I think I finalized it here. I'm surprised that you took as long as you did because, like, Again, you've never picked against Steve Austin. As I would never do. <laughs> we'll put that to the test eventually. We'll, we'll see. But, uh, but yeah, so they brawl around a little bit, which by brawl, I mean Austin just is just beating up Vince McMahon. Uh, eventually, McMahon, he, he rakes Austin's eye, throws Austin in the cage. He gets like a little bit of a, of a respite, and then he jumps the guardrail and like fl- and they don't they don't get this on the camera but they allude to it Vince McMahon flips Austin off for the first time in the match and that lulls Austin kind of out into the fans where like Vince again runs away and then they're just brawling amidst the people I think we were talking at this point I did write down one of the quotes from one of the commentaries uh, commentators uh, at this point which was take him into the ladies restroom McMahon which is very funny to me that you would encourage them to do that but uh, they they brawl back into the ring eventually they get uh, actually no so at this point Vince is like spent like you can tell like he's fucking done for he's already gotten his ass kicked he starts trying to climb up the cage but he's yanked down by Austin and that happens yeah. twice and so then the third time, again, he's trying to do it again. This time, instead of being yanked down, Austin climbs up with him. Uh, Vince takes a couple shots. He, he gets his head slammed into the cage. And then, again, we, and we can delve into kind of your complaint about the, the spot, which is valid. But so basically what happens is Austin slams Vince's head into the, into the cage Who's and they're both like climbing. They're at the very top of the cage at this point. Vince, upon taking the shot to the to the cage, flies backwards, like leaps backwards, yeah, essentially, yeah. and then he lands on the cage, but the pro or on the table. The problem is he landed spine first on the edge of the table, so you can see like it doesn't even buckle a bit. So it's just him like landing, and then after like a second after he's gotten that fucking shitty ass impact, then the t- the table collapses, which is like you, the worst way of doing that. Do you think there was like like it was like a bad impact thing, or it was a bad like like how do you avoid that situation? Like he needed to land more towards the center of the table. So his like you're saying like his long spine like hit like the the center of kind of gravity on the table like the middle of that and then sort of like all his like body weight hitting the middle of the table. Like- I think the table was designed to break away if you're hitting the center of it. His spine landed on the edge of the table where there's all this support beam, and so it had no give to it initially. And so then like so he almost like bounces a bit spine first off the table and then after like a split second then the table crumples that's not how that was designed to and like you can see there's all sorts of other matches where guys like if they hit the center of the table then it just collapses immediately fun little visual in this case i'm sure that fucking had to hurt and so then after that happens 
they bring out a stretcher for Vince McMahon. Howard Finkel, the Fink, the greatest ring announcer of all time. I stand by. I will argue that point against anyone. He starts making the announcement that Steve Austin won the match. Austin immediately grabs the microphone, says that's bullshit, and demands that the match get started officially. And so, so then this cluster of humans that have gathered around Vince, they start trying to hurriedly get him out on the stretcher. Meanwhile, Austin climbs out of the cage. This is probably the biggest pop of the match. Like the fans were going fucking apeshit at this point. As Austin's just climbing out of the cage, chasing after the stretcher, pulls all the guys around, grabs the stretcher, and then, like, shoves Vince back out. And, like, hilarious bit where he's, like, shoves the stretcher up and, like, Vince goes face first into the cage. That was was absolute classic. That's when I got back in the match. Yeah. Very Looney Tunes. But uh, at this point in time in the match, now we're kind of into the in-ring portion I think kind of to summarize this very quickly, Austin beats the shit out of Vince. He goes to leave and then Vince in an act of defiance will flip Austin off. And then that's enough to be like, well, this motherfucker, he's still got some fight left. I'm going to go back in there and beat the shit out of him some more. Like we saw that happen a couple of different times. And I know, especially after that second one, you were starting to get a little antsy. I think you were worried about your pick. I was worried about my pick at that point. So, just so that people know. <laughs> <laughs> so, we've got kind of the big, the coup de gras. Vince, or Steve Austin goes for the Stone Cold Stunner, which you were also kind of annoyed by. You are like, it doesn't matter. You just need to get out of the fucking cage. After right. Austin hits McMahon with the stunner, he starts talking trash to McMahon. And then, and if you look for it, you can actually see they've got kind of a close-up of Austin and McMahon on the ground, on the, on the mat. And you can see it start to kind of like bow up like somebody's poking at it and then yes the, paul white who we've we've seen him but we haven't really seen him in a featured match he was in kind of one of the he's a, he was in a few of the wcw matches that we saw that were kind of big clusters of people we haven't really spoken about him a lot but he was the giant in wcw now he's jumped ship over to the wwf he's he's wrestling for right now anyway as his real name of Paul White, he has emerged. If you remember, and I'm sure you didn't pick up on this, but for anyone curious, so before the match, Vince McMahon said if any member of his of the corporation interfered, he would fire them on the spot. The loophole here was that Paul White, the giant, was not a member of the corporation. He had not been seen in the WWF yet. So the idea was, well, he's not technically signed by the WWF yet, but he will be after he fucks over Steve Austin. That was the idea. Ah, well, that makes sense. And so at this point, you were pretty sure you were fucked, yes? (laughs) Yes, I was. I was 100% convinced at that point. I do not because I'm a wrestling fan, and I great, smart wrestling fan. So so that was was good for me. But uh, we, we'd seen the Kane incident of the original Hell in a Cell match, which Ryan still has nightmares about. This was echoing that. Uh, Paul White starts beating the shit out of Austin. Finally, Vince is like, throw him at the cage, throw him at the cage. And so he picks up Austin like a little baby, throws him against the side of the cage. And what do you know? The cage gives way. Uh, it opens up like a giant door. Austin drops down to the ground. Austin wins the match against, against all odds. So Ryan... Yeah. 
is now, what does that put your record at, sir? That puts you at 40, 40 wins. 40 wins. 30. 40 wins, zero losses. It's a great time to be alive. Yeah. Uh, 33 losses, but who's who's counting? And, and a four-match. What's, what's the winning streak on? Four. 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 Four times 10 is 40. <laughs> Go on. 40 wins, zero <laughs> losses. <laughs> It's not. It's thirty three for the record. You're uh, for the record. I don't know that we're really. Eh, you're getting there. So this will put you at four. Your longest win streak of all time is six. Yeah, I mean that sounds accurate. <laughs> and you were quite a losing streak leading into all okay. this. So you know, hopefully we can get like you know Swagger Dick Ryan back. But I guess we'll uh, we'll see how that that all plays out. But uh, that's it. That's the match. Any other any other things before we rank up? I don't have anything. All right. Let's let's rank it then. Let's rank this shit. I'm getting my telescope out. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other science shit. I'm getting my, my telephone. Oh, Bunsen burners. I'm get- Oh, Ryan's getting his Bunsen burners out. Make sure to clean your Bunsen burners, everybody. I don't have what I don't know what Bunsen burner is. What? You had biology in like fucking junior high. Bunsen burger. Right? Not burger, burner. Bunsen burner. You don't know what a Bunsen burner is? There you go. I'm all fucked up. Fucking. <laughs> <laughs> this happened quick. I swear he was cognizant during the. Uh, I was. The yeah. match. I don't have. Okay. You know what? Uh, uh, this match, I don't think it belongs in great. Okay. I think you can make a case because it had, like, you know, very. But, like, I think it, like, good it belongs in. I'd uh, agree with that. I'd co-sign. Yeah. Just got to put a, find out where. Now I've narrowed it down. For, so uh, so just as a, qu- a quick frame of reference for you, in case yeah, it helps. Yeah. Two matches ago, uh, number, what number is that? Number 26, Stone Cold yeah. versus Shawn Michaels. Last episode, last numbered episode, Wrestle Talk, was Cactus Jack, yeah. Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Pile Driver Through the Table, Etc. Yeah, that was last yeah. episode. So that's kind of your benchmark in the good section. Uh, it was a little bit like it had a little bit more like behind the scenes to it. Like, um, like I thought this was like probably kind of an important match, right? Like, yeah, I mean, it was it was a notable match. I mean, Vince McMahon technically he had been in the ring f- prior to this, but it was like not. It wasn't a, a true one-on-one match where it was like Vince McMahon is expected to carry this whole thing. So it is, it's notable for that. For that, I mean, yeah. I guess it wasn't that good. Like, I was, was entertained. Right. I think it's for sure a good match where you'd put it in good. Like, well, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I, I don't. Let's see. I have a, I've got a number in mind. Yeah, in the good section. Is yeah, that right? yeah. I don't know, man. I'm just feeling my heart. Like maybe the new, like maybe the new 29. Oh, I was thinking 30. That's so crazy. Look oh, it's pretty close. Okay, yeah, yeah. So 29. Yeah, the new 29. Okay. Yeah. Great. New 29. New good oh. match. We've had a lot of good. We'll, we'll try and I'll There's see. Been a lot of good. I think you. You would try to throw that in there, like is good good. I don't know if good's good. We'll see. We'll see. I don't. I don't remember what I have lined up for. Oh, I actually I do remember what we have lined up for next episode. That'll be interesting. That will be different. I think one way or the other. But uh, let's let's pivot 
I'm uh, I'm pinching off the end of my wiener because I got to pee, and Ryan's probably got to eat because he's already a little tequila tequila drunk. Got to eat, man. Got to eat. So let's just launch into it because we got this segment we call Eric's Wisdom Tree. This is actually something that uh, this is a this is something I use for my own daily life. This is and maybe some of you are already familiar with this. Phones have do not disturb settings, <laughs> and the reason this is this is this week's wisdom is because if you were like me, I I consider myself fairly relaxed. I don't have anxiety about a lot of things, but one thing I do or did have anxiety about was the idea because so here's how I sleep. I turn my ringer off. It is on silent. I do not like anything disturbing me because sometimes I have friends that will like text me at you know 11 12 at night. I'm not awake at 11 or 12 at night. So I don't like being woken up by ringtones and I and I don't like my wife being woken up by those ringtones. But there's always that nagging feeling like what if there's an emergency? What if a family member who needs to get a hold of me needs to get a hold of me? So, my phone anyway, I can't speak to like every phone, but I think this is a newer thing. Phones have do not disturb settings, so you can say, my phone's on do not disturb. However, if this contact calls me, it will ring. And so now I can sleep easy knowing, like, if there is a family emergency, if I need to be fucking somewhere, I'm not just like, fuck you, I'm asleep. Like, if if my mom calls me or my sister calls me, like, that will get through even if I have do not disturb on. (laughs) You say I couldn't get through to you if I pinged you at midnight tonight? You're not on my list, Ryan. Do you want to I, be on my I list? I have not made the list. I'm on your fucking podcast, Eric. <laughs> what could I possibly do to help you with you being in Las Vegas, Ryan? I don't know, but like I, I'm a little shocked that it's uh, I've not made this list. Is Chris Baxter on this list? No. Like, no, he's not on this list. No, I'm not Peters? Even... No. Sherry... You know the fucking answer to that. Eric, first of all, I, and I'll, while you're looking, I'll just say that anyone in my entire life is muted the entire day and night. Like, I don't, I rarely get fucking texts ever. Like, I don't, I, the only way I see them is there's a little notification thing. Like, that's it. They're all on mute. This is not something you're concerned about at all? What the fuck am I going to do at midnight? If <laughs> happens, like, you were just giving me that, that fucking line right now. No, I said I should be on your list, not like what, like uh, that's all I'm saying. Like I should be on your fucking list of people. Like I dis, I don't think so. I disagree with with that. Well, I disagree with your disagreement. Of I can you tell you this: about. I have no friends on my do not disturb list. Zero okay. friends. It well, is- Eric, I'm basically family at this point. All right, we got <laughs> 72 episodes. Okay, like so. What my, do you want from me? Like, my wife. My mother, my father, my sister, uh, both my sisters, and my grandma, they are, they are on my people who can reach me if there's an emergency. Otherwise, I, fe- I feel like, okay, they'll fend for themselves. It'll be fine. But, but yeah. not Ryan Murphy. I did not make the cut. I, don't, I think you'd abuse it. I can't trust you. <laughs> Eric, I might abuse it a little bit, but like that's unfair like just you have to judge it on the person all right like you have to judge it on the person and 
and who they are and what they how they impact your life. I'm on your podcast. I think you should put me on there. We're basically family. You're so young, and uh, I think you just need to mature a little bit more, Ryan, before you make the do not disturb list. That's that's all. Like get to your grandma's age. (laughs) Yes. Once you're in your 80s, then we'll talk about you making the cut. All right. Fair enough. Um, Yeah. No. I I have like everyone. I have no do not. I I do not. I do not care. Like, yes, would I be terribly sad if something fucked up happened in the night? Yes, but I'm willing to take that risk right now. But at the Everyone same- is shut up at night, and I will deal with it in the morning. Like, To be fair, also, you live in a completely different state than your parents and have for a while. Yes. I live in the same state as all the people that I just mentioned. And so, like, if there was an emergency, there is the possibility that I could run over and do something potentially. Mm-hmm. I see what you're saying, like, but probably not much. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. What the fuck are you trying to do here? I just want to make sure that I'm available if there was an emergency and I needed to haul ass somewhere. That's right, and like, right. oh, you probably couldn't do anything. Are you even CPR certified? Like, go I fuck yourself, say, Ryan. I didn't say any of that. I just said, like, probably not much. I, I, well, I, you, you're, that's saying a lot, actually, as a matter of fact. That's saying a lot. Being very dramatic. You got, you got all riled up, Eric. You Fire riled me up. You're saying how I can't do anything. I can tell you I'll do a lot. <laughs> all right. I'll just stop this. You're fucking... Stop. Let's stop, Eric. This is getting out of control, all right? Yeah, you're ending like a you real dickhead. You have me on your list of people like who would be able to be contacted. With I know. Well, I'm not. You know who I'm not contacting if I have an emergency? Eric, because I'm blocked. That's who I'm not contacting. Our next episode will be Rumpus Time, <laughs> December, December 29th. Ring in your new year with this fucking asshole and, uh, and me, who's not an asshole, because I allow my family to contact me if there's, if there's a life or death emergency at, you know, all hours of the night. So, you know, do not disturb. Check it out if you have the same weird phobias that I do about, about something that you could have hopefully prevent prevented but uh, but did not but with that uh, that said anything else ryan that's it that's all i brought to the table today i think it's best that way <laughs> <laughs> so if you're not hard get hard once you get hard stay hard that's all folks I mean, the pizza just- man's arrival